I would like you to see 1 Corinthians 15, verse 2, so please open your Bibles to that passage of Scripture that I've already read to you in your hearing, but I want you to see the importance of it for remembering the things that you learn, and I also want you to see the importance of it as being one of the verses that teach us that there are various phases of salvation. 1 Corinthians 15, the apostle declares that he had preached the gospel to the Corinthians in the first verse that they had received it and that they had stood in that gospel. Verse 2, by which, referring to the gospel, also ye are saved if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. Now this verse says it's possible to believe in vain and to lose the salvation that comes to you by the gospel if you forget it. We have a sister in our church that's forgetting many things. And if the course of disease takes its course, they'll be much more forgotten. If we don't understand salvation right, we run our ship aground right here at this text. Because this text says you can lose your salvation if you forget the gospel. Does that mean that in our in old age, if we forget the gospel, we're going to lose our salvation? No, it doesn't mean that. Because there's multiple phases of salvation which the Lord has taught us and which we are very thankful for. This particular phase of salvation is the practical phase of salvation of saving us to hope in light of the resurrection, this chapter is about false teachers at Corinth that were teaching there was no resurrection from the dead. And if we go through this life denying our flesh, the fun things of the world, because the Bible condemns them, and there's no heaven for us, then we are of all men most miserable. We have the worst religion of all. Verse 19, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. Much of the value of our religion is based on the hope of eternal life in heaven. And if we lose that by false teachers, if we lose that by forgetting what the apostle taught us, we have a miserable religious life. Because we don't have the hope of that eternity with Christ. We don't have the hope of bodily resurrection. We don't have the hope of glorification that we just sang about. I hope you enjoyed that verse in the song we just sang. Soul and body. Soul and body. Bearing His glorious image. That is entire glorification of all that you are. Body and soul. And spirit. By the glorifying work of Almighty God. So notice the importance of keeping in memory. Give me a few minutes of your time to talk about your memory. The wonderful things of Romans 8 are only as good as you keep them in memory. The promises, the assurance, the comfort, the strength, the hope of Romans 8. Whatever your favorite verses are in Romans 8, they're only as good as you keeping them in memory and laying hold of them by faith and never letting them go, but believing those statements of promise given to us by God. They're only as good as you remembering them. Therefore, we need to help each other remember them. Therefore, you need to make efforts to review the preaching, review the texts of the Scripture, and hide those things in your heart. Talk about them. Think about them. Quote them to yourselves. Commune with your own heart upon your bed. When you're lying in your bed at night, think upon the good things that the Lord's promised you. 
Build up your faith. Let's not have any of us come to the hour of death where the whole church is laboring to get your faith increased for death. Let's all be ready for it every day so that when it comes, we're already there. And then our time around your bed can be joy in the mutual sharing of the faith that we have built up by lives that remembered and never forgot the wonderful promises of Scripture. A man has a heart attack. He's 55 years old. He's at work in his office. All of a sudden, there is crushing pressure on his chest. It is described like an elephant sitting on your chest or a truck falling off a jack on your chest. He has crushing pain in his chest. There's pain radiating down his arm, up the back of his neck. He can't breathe. He's sweating profusely. He's vomiting. He's rushed to the hospital. He passes out. He wakes up. Twelve hours later, he's had open-heart surgery. He's had a quadruple bypass. He's had stents put in his heart to keep those coronary arteries open so that the heart muscle will stay alive. A heart attack is when there's not enough blood coming to the heart muscle itself, and so it dies. They're little tiny coronary arteries that feed the heart muscle. After a few days in intensive care and step down, meeting my son Jonathan, he then is released, but before he gets to go, a dietician comes to him and gives him a couple sheets of paper and says, you're going to be right back in here with me unless you start eating this way. These are the things you can eat. See the list? It says, do not eat. And this list, these things eat. This is what you need to do. The man goes home. He tells his wife, throw away everything in the kitchen, everything in the pantry, clean it out, chuck it. Get rid of all those nacho chips, dip, ruffles, French onion. Get rid of them all. Go out and buy everything that is on this list. This is what I'm supposed to eat. She does that faithfully. Eight days later, he says, can't we get Little Caesars tonight? Meat lovers, sausage, bacon, ham, cheese. Can't we have pizza tonight? But you aren't supposed to. It's on the do not. Look at right there. Do not pizza. Oh, I've been good for eight days. So he breaks down. Listen, one month later, and it's true of all cases. If you can tell me about an exception, I'll tell you about the rule. (laughs) one month later, guess what he's doing? He's a couch potato scarfing down one pound of Lay's Ruffles with French onion dip. What happened? The pain went away. The pain went away. He went back to work. It tasted so good. And brethren, we are just like him. When we hear things here, get convicted about them and walk out of here and forget it then the trouble can rise again in our lives and we're not prepared. We don't have much of a shield of faith. We whip up our shield of faith when fiery darts of doubt are being thrown at our hearts, but the shield's only this big around. Now what good is a shield this big around as you're trying to protect your heart? We need one this big around to protect every vital part of our bodies. And that shield of faith is built by the Word of God so that you can give a Bible answer to doubts the devil puts in your heart, the doubts that anyone else puts in your heart, the doubts of a false teacher put before you. Remember, what do you do after you leave church? 
I know I preach long. I know our services are long. I know that right now you're hoping that that minute hand back there will just flip itself up to 12 and maybe he'll quit on the hour. Okay? What are you going to do in the rest of the 164 hours you have in a week? Do you know that God gives you 168 hours and you gave him four in here today? That is a 2.5% tithe of your time. It's not a tithe. Forgive me for corrupting the word. It's 2.5% of your time. What are you going to do in the next 164 hours until next Lord's Day to review and to remember and to never forget the things that you've been taught? How could Corinth forget so fast that the Apostle Paul, between his last visit with them and his first epistle, two years, five years, I'll give you ten. They had forgotten the resurrection of the dead, one of the chief and cardinal doctrines of the gospel. How had they forgotten it? Right there. They let it go out of their memories. They hadn't believed it solidly enough, and they had allowed false teachers to come around them that were not teaching the truth. If you don't prepare, and if you don't pray, and if you don't participate in our services, then the Word of God is spread into your ears, but it goes in one ear, comes out the other, it falls on the wayside, and the devil snatches it away, and by the time you go home, you can barely remember what the topic was, let alone the details of it, unless we review The devil snatches away the Word of God because he can't stand to have you having the Word of God because the Word of God is an effective shield to his fiery darts. When he tempted the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ said on all three occasions, it is written. And that's what you ought to say. When you have doubts about your salvation, say it is written. There is nothing, death, life, angels, principalities, powers, things present, things to come, height, depth, or any other creature that can separate me from the love of God. So shut up! Whoever is talking to me on the inside, hold up that shield of faith. Quote the Bible. That's what the Lord Jesus Christ did. But you can't do it if you don't remember it. And I've already told you. Can you memorize? You can all memorize. Most of you. Learn Romans chapter 8. Pick your favorite verses. Learn them well. Learn when and how to use them. You know, much that you learn in school you can forget because you're never going to use in life. You just cram it in an hour or a day before you take a test, regurgitate it on the test, and it doesn't matter that you forget it. You know you know the truth. You know that a semester later, if I was to ask you about your midterm on the previous semester, <laughs> you would have a hard time. But it doesn't really matter because most of that, much of that, you won't need again. You need every word of God. Because it says so. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. We want to remember those things. What happened to Nebuchadnezzar because he didn't remember? What was he told? Nebuchadnezzar, break off your sins by righteousness and have mercy on the poor if it might be a lengthening of your tranquility. Did Nebuchadnezzar have a decently tranquil life? Was he the greatest, richest king that ever lived? One of them. Did he have the huge Babylon as his palace? Did he forget something? Was he walking around looking at his beautiful palace one day and say, look at this thing that was made for the majesty of my kingdom? And while the words were in his mouth, the judgment fell from heaven, and he was driven out to spend seven years on his hands and knees like an ox. 
You familiar with the Bible story? Daniel chapter 4. How did that happen? Daniel warned him. Daniel told him up front it was going to happen. Daniel told him. Daniel told him after interpreting his dream, which was to convince him of the message being from heaven. Out of this pulpit, every one of you that's married have been taught how to treat each other. You don't treat each other the Bible way, hell is coming in your marriage. The pain of a marriage that isn't scriptural is far worse than being single. You've heard that so many times out of me that it's commonplace. You don't submit to authority like the government of our United States. If you're not respectful to authority, then it's going to come around and bite you. Those under your authority are not going to be respectful to you. You've heard it many times. Over and over you've heard the Word of God. But if you forget it, and if you let things slip, and if you become calloused, and if you let your marriage deteriorate, or if you let your relationship to government and authority deteriorate, you're going to suffer for it. Because you've forgotten the Word of God. Just like Nebuchadnezzar. Look at Psalm 111. I want to turn to a few verses. I will end on time. I'll end on time if you promise to pay attention for the time that's left. I promise. Will you promise? Psalm 111. Look at verse 4. And we're going to move. He hath made his wonderful works to be remembered. Why did God do some of the things he did? And why did God record the things that he recorded? Why is the Bible got the stories it does? Let me give you one. I made a statement in the first service that I believe God's great love for His elect, and especially His martyrs, would provide them the grace to die in a fire, singing. I don't like getting my finger burned by a warm stove. It's tender. How could they sing praises and forgive their tormentors in a fire? God gives them the grace. Do we have a Bible example? Paul and I were talking about this at break time. Stephen's being stoned to death. The Jews have, they're so angry at Stephen, they're stoning him to death after he preached that wonderful sermon in Acts chapter 7. And as the stones are thudding off his body, he looks up to heaven and what does he see, my dear brethren? What does he see? Jesus, standing at the right hand of God. Every other occurrence in the New Testament, what position is Jesus in at the right hand of God? Sitting. Everyone? Everyone. Has he got out of his seat and is looking down towards Stephen? Amen. What grace that was. He saw, and you know what, Stephen, he wasn't afraid, was he? He didn't say, but for the grace of God, there go I. As the stone studded off his body, do you know what he said? I see Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Now that didn't help the Jews out. They stopped up their ears and ran on him with one accord and put him out of his misery being in their presence and into the presence of God. And you know, as he, as the, as the spirit was leaving his body, he asked God to forgive them for what they were doing. Lay it not to their charge. And Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. But there was Jesus standing in heaven. Oh, is that sweet? 
What's that in the Bible for? Just to fill up space in chapter 7 like you do on the papers you write in college? You, you know, you're always doing that. I was good at it too. But the Lord doesn't ever do that. That section of Acts 7 is there to build your faith and to think about the martyrs that God would never forsake a martyr but would provide whatever that martyr needed to be able to ask for forgiveness on the tormentors and to commit his spirit into the hands of the Lord Jesus. Very unique prayer, Lord Jesus. Very unique. But Jesus had revealed himself to him. Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. That comes from knowing the Bible and reading the whole thing and being familiar with it so that you can draw and you can draw from God's great storehouse of wisdom. You can draw, you can draw, you can drink, and you can comfort and strengthen yourself with the precious words of God. This is the bread that you are to live by. And read the whole thing. Read all of it. Get through it a few times reading the simple program that I provide only one chapter a day. How many hours in a day? Simple. 24. There's no games with me, usually. Um, I know you're run, you don't want to run the risk of it not being the usual. How many minutes in a day? 1,440. How many do you give the Lord? 1,440 minutes in a day. How many do you give the Lord? If you were to give Him a tithe, it would be 2 hours and 24 minutes. If you were to give Him 1%, it would be 14 minutes reading His Word. 14 minutes and some seconds. That's how much time you have to learn the Word of God and to remember it, to review it, to hide it in your heart, to be ready to give an answer to others, to be ready to give an answer to yourself, to be ready to get excited about Stephen seeing Jesus standing. Does that get you excited or not? Why doesn't it get you excited? You saw the Terminator stand. Listen, the Terminator can't even keep his wife. I can't wait till the Terminator goes to court and gets terminated. You watching the Terminator? I'll show you a Terminator. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. He made a terminal end of death. What are you wasting your time doing? Working out in the gym to be the Terminator? Be careful about your time. Let's remember. You know, I had brothers pushing me around at break time with the Word of God. I love to be pushed around with the Word of God. What about Mark? Why don't you just go to Mark? Why bother yourself with Genesis 5? Just cut to the chase and go to Mark 13. I don't get offended with that. I love that. The Zachinator was Zacking me. Then my brother comes and tells me all about Elijah the prophet. He had me so... I thought I was wound up at 9 o'clock this morning. I was more wound up at 12 o'clock. Just by thinking about the Word of God and thinking about Elijah and thinking about John the Baptist coming in the Spirit and power of Elijah and thinking about the terminology he used against the nation of Israel and thinking about the 12 barrels of water. All those are the facts of the Bible and they're not to be learned for Bible trivia games. Although those might be useful devices to help you remember them, the reason you remember them is to build up your most holy faith. And they're exciting. And they're real. The Terminator... Have you seen him recently with his clothes off? I mean, he don't look like he did 30 years ago. He's a disgrace to manhood. 
Don't say anything. I'm 54. The point being, we need the Word of God and not these other things. The world tries to bombard us with all the different things that it wants to entertain us with. And there's so many demands on our time. There's so many demands on our minds. But we need to fill our minds with the Word of God. Look at Jeremiah 2. Jeremiah 2. Travis and Jennifer, I gave this to you last Sunday before you separated from each other. Because Travis, you came to me and you said that you appreciated the reminder and the exhortation not to forget the things the Lord's given us. And I shared with you this verse that I hadn't been able to get to yet, but I'm getting to it now. That's why we're still in this subject. And this is, this is the end. I don't care. There's still going to be dozens and dozens of verses left in the outline, but that's too bad. Jeremiah chapter 2 and verse 32. Look at these words. Can a maid forget her ornaments? Does a young woman typically forget her accessories? Earrings, ring, bracelet. Does a young woman typically forget those things? Can a maid forget her ornaments? No, a maid is always concerned with what she looks like. This isn't an instructive verse on this point. This is a verse observing a fact of life. A natural fact of life. Can a bride forget her attire? Does a bride, as she approaches her wedding, forget the dress that she's wearing and shows up in her painting outfit or her scrubs or her pajamas? Can a maid forget her ornaments? Can a bride forget her attire? No and no. Neither of them forget. Yet, my people have forgotten me days without number. I wrote you about this, my dear brothers and sisters. Some of you have been alive 25,000 days. How many days have you forgotten the Lord? It is horrifying to think about it. I am sick of it. But I am thankful for the grace and love of the Lord Jesus Christ that is able to wash all those days away by His precious blood. And I know that I've got today. And what am I going to do with today? And what am I going to do with tomorrow? Let's make every day count by not forgetting Him. The point that I'm making in this sermon is this simple. Do you remember the Lord? And do you remember the things that you're taught from the Bible? Or do you let them slip away? The Bible tells us about the wicked in Romans chapter 1, that the reason God sent strong delusion on them and the reason that God turned them over to a reprobate mind to do those things that are not convenient is because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain and foolish, and they refused to retain God in their knowledge. As God revealed Himself to them, They would not retain Him in their knowledge. Don't you dare push away the knowledge of God or any of His doctrine. You take it in and you hold it tight and you believe it and you review it and you remember it. Look at Malachi 4.4. It's right before Matthew. It's It's the last verses of the Old Testament, right before Matthew. Malachi only has four chapters. It's right before Matthew. Malachi 4.4. The warning that came from the last prophet of the Old Testament for the 400 intertestamental years before Matthew 1.1, Remember ye the law of Moses my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb for all Israel with the statutes and judgments. 
And then it goes on to describe, I will send Elijah the prophet, meaning John the Baptist, and then there will be the great and terrible day of the Lord. Was that described in the law of Moses? Absolutely. Deuteronomy 28, 63 verses long, 15 of blessing, 48 of curses, including sold into Egypt as slaves with no man to buy them, 70 A.D. Remember. Remember. So even though there wasn't Scripture given for 400 years, remember the law of Moses, my servant. James chapter 1. James chapter 1. Half of you, most of you, all of you should know exactly where I'm going when I say James 1 with an overall theme of not forgetting. In James chapter 1, the Bible is described by a metaphor as being a mirror. You get up in the morning, you go in the bathroom, and you look in the mirror. A woman looks in the mirror, her mascara, eyeshadow, base, and other junk she's put in her face has moved all over. <laughs> it is one sorry mess. Her hair standing on end, kinks and rats in it. Guys have sleep dirt enough in their corners of their eyes to build a play, a, a sandbox for their kids. You look in that mirror, and the mirror shows you everything that's wrong. And we look in God's Word, and it shows us everything that is wrong. It shows us that our thoughts ought to be better. Our speech ought to be different. Our marriage should have more love. We see all those things in God's Word, and we hear it in the few minutes that you listen to preaching in a week. And this passage tells us, then you walk away and you forget, you forget that you were just told that you have some serious blemishes. Verse 22, be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. If you just sit there and listen to me, you're deceiving yourself. You're lying to yourself and you're believing the lie. That's really stupid. When you lie to yourself and believe the lie that you told yourself. By sitting there and thinking that you're accomplishing anything good by listening to me. Or listening to the word of God. Verse 23, for if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. It's you getting up in the morning and looking in the mirror. For he beholdeth himself and realizeth that he is incredibly ugly and has a great deal of blemishes that he needs to take care of. And he goes his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. You don't do that about your outward looking, about your outward appearance, but your outward appearance is not as important as your appearance before God. And it's the Word of God that shows us all our blemishes. Verse 25, But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, see, the, the, the terminology of the metaphor is being continued, looketh into, like you're looking in the mirror. But if you keep looking into it to make sure that you carefully identify exactly what's wrong and get it corrected, Whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, getting things fixed, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, notice he fixes what he saw was wrong, this man shall be blessed in his deed. But if you go your way and forget, if you go out of here and that work, entertainment, sports, talking, world radio, anything, steal away from you the word of God, you are lying to yourself about the value of this church and you're believing the lie that you're telling yourself. There is only profit in the word of God changing you. 
We can't forget when we sit in here and get corrected by the Word of God. Look at Hosea. It's right after Daniel. Daniel's after Ezekiel. I I want you in Hosea for just a minute. I want to tell you that if you forget God, He's going to bring judgment against you for forgetting Him and His Word. And I want to show you the example of Israel. Hosea chapter 4. Hosea 4, 6. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee that thou shalt be no priest to me, seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy God, I will also forget thy children. Those aren't my words, these are God's words. You forget my law that I've given you, I'll forget your children. Do you want God to bless your family? Now this is a family of priests. These are his dearest men on earth, his priests. I'm going to forget your priestly children because you've forgotten my law. Don't forget it. Learn it. Review it. Talk about it. Think about it. Memorize it. Reread it. Reread it a third time. We have more means to review what I preach than anyone in the history of the world, including this generation. The outlines that are on the internet are so easily for you to, are so easy for you to print off and are so thorough and so complete with so many Bible references. You can listen to every sermon word for word that's ever been preached in this pulpit in the last five years. There's ways to review. There's 168 hours in a week. Don't be like this. People wonder why their life isn't going very well. Why? Why do they wonder that? God's either blowing against you or He's blowing for you. If God's blowing against you, you ain't going anywhere. If God's blowing with you, blessings abound. Internally and externally. We're in the book of Hosea. Look at chapter 8. Hosea 8, verse 14 This is just a tithe of the verses throughout the whole Bible about remembering. Hosea 8.14 For Israel hath forgotten his maker and buildeth temples to false gods. And Judah hath multiplied fenced cities, but I will send a fire upon his cities, and it shall devour the palaces thereof. Notice, it's forgetting their maker and going about and building your life. Go ahead, worry about your schooling, worry about your job, worry about your relationships. There's one relationship that counts, there's one body of knowledge that really counts. It's the Word of God, and it's walking with God. That's what really counts. And if you let those things slip, there's a God in heaven that is named Jealous, with a capital J in the Bible. And He is jealous, and He will blow against you, and nothing will work in your life like it should. Chapter 13 of Hosea. 13, it's all over the Bible. Verse 6. According to their pasture, so were they filled. Don't you let a prosperous America fill you to satisfaction. They were filled and their heart was exalted. Therefore have they forgotten me. Don't you let prosperity cause you to forget the Lord. Verse 7, Therefore I will be unto them as a lion, as a leopard. By the way will I observe them. I will meet them as a bear that is bereaved of her whelps and will rend the call of their heart. And there will I devour them like a lion. The wild beast shall tear them. I didn't make up these words. I'm not as ferocious as the Bible is. I'll probably give an account for being a panty waste when I stand before the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the Word of God. This is God describing tearing those in pieces 
who get satisfied with a prosperous life because you get good increases and promotions on the job and are got your associate's degrees at the age of 16. We commend you for the effort. But don't let that satisfy your soul. Be ambitious and learn the Word of God. Be able to pull Stephen off the shelf and show us Stephen standing at the right hand of God by remembering all the things the Lord has shown us. Look at Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4. Do you think that Solomon and David had any words of exhortation for their sons not to forget all the advice and wisdom they had given them? Over and over we read it. Watch this. Proverbs 3.1. I hope you're there. My son, forget not my law. What? Why? Why the verse? Because we forget. My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. Keep them. Don't let them slide out of your heart. That's 3.1. Proverbs 3.1. Look at verse 3. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the table of thine heart. That is so you won't forget them. Look at chapter 4 and verse 4. He taught me also and said unto me, this is David teaching Solomon, let thine heart retain, retain, keep, not forget, not lose. My words, keep my commandments and live. Look at verse 5. Get wisdom, get understanding. What does it say? Forget it not, neither decline from the words of my mouth. Verse 6. Forsake her not, and she shall preserve thee. Love her, and she shall keep thee. Don't forsake it. This is instruction from David to Solomon, and from Solomon to you. The wonderful wisdom in the book of Proverbs, especially for young men. Look at verse 13 of chapter 4. Take fast hold of instruction. Let her not go. Keep her, for she is thy life. Look at verse 21. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. Over and over, the exhortation about the wisdom of David to his son, the wisdom of Solomon to his son, and to you. Don't forget. Don't forget. So how do we remember? We've got to read this more often than Sunday mornings. We've got to read it every day. We've got to talk about it with each other. We've got to look at the Proverbs commentaries that you're so tired of. I'm so sorry that your email inbox is choked a little in the mornings. I know you're so busy with your little 40-hour-a-week job and your little 56 hours a week in the sack that's only 96 hours, which leaves 72 hours. You ought to be working three jobs. But if you're only working one, there should be time for God's Word. Luke 17. I'm running out of time. And I have enough fodder here to feed a whole herd of cattle. Luke 17, 32. Can you remember this verse? Remember Lot's wife. Is that short enough for you? Remember Lot's wife. What was the problem with Lot's wife? She was too much in love with Sodom. She liked television too much. She liked her worldly neighbors too much. She liked current fashions too much. She liked the PTA in Sodom. She liked being part of the tennis and racket club. Remember Lot's wife. The angels have grabbed Lot and is dragging him out of the city of Sodom. 
And the warning is, do not look back. Do not look back at that crap that we are burning up out of your life. She looked back. And she turned into a pillar of salt. And Jesus Christ would say, remember Lot's wife. Do you even know the story? Have you even thought through the story? Have you meditated and mused on the story to see how it applies to you? What in your life is like the city of Sodom? And because you're liking it, you're going to turn into a pillar of salt. Not literally, but metaphorically, spiritually. You know, the Bible says, "For remember now thy Creator in the days of thy youth. That's when you have all the strength. Do you know how easy you can memorize the Word of God right now? Do you know how that you could become a man of God that knows the Word of God and is able to use the Word of God at a young age? But oh no, you'd rather spend your time memorizing and learning other things, entertaining your mind with other things, relaxing your mind. I work too hard. After all, I work 40 hours a week. There's so much time and there's so much strength in a young man to be able to take in the Word of God and to memorize it, to be able to use it, to be able to build a huge shield of faith, to be able to exhort others, to be like those martyrs that I read about in this assembly that put to shame doctors of religion. Do you know when Jonah remembered the Lord? Do you need that kind of a reminder? He remembered it when he was in a cage and the bars were ribs. It says that in Jonah chapter 2 and verse 7. He remembered the Lord. There's so many more things I could share with you. Have you learned the Word of God so that you can speak to it and give a reasonable answer of the hope that is within you to those that ask? Many things cloud and control our minds and memories. So you need to be diligent and vigilant to fill your mind with good things. Especially you young men. You young men, it's disgraceful the number of hours in a week and how many are wasted. How much have you learned about God's Word? How much are you reviewing? It's not enough to... I've read that story before. I know that point story. I know that doctrine. No. Review it so that it's fresh. You know where to find it? You know how to express it? You can communicate it. You can defend it against somebody attacking it. That takes a lot of knowledge. Don't forget. Remember. Some things need to be forgotten. That's like everything up until right now. And we need to be pressing forward in our lives. Simplify your life. Reduce the noise. Remember the past. Every assembly, everything we do should be to your prophet. We've talked about Elijah. We've talked about... Stephen seeing Jesus at the right hand of God. We've looked at Romans chapter 8. We've gone through Old Testament, New Testament about remembering. We've talked about the resurrection of the dead. We've sung songs. We've, we sang a wonderful song by John Kent. All these things are for your memories. To bring to memory the things that are precious and dear to the Lord Jesus Christ and He wants them to be precious and dear to us. And that's why we have assemblies as long as we do and why so much is said so hurriedly and so intensely from this pulpit. Because I've been told, by the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ, preach the word, be instant, in season, out of season. Be insistent, pressing, and urgent with the word of God on all the hearers. If I repeat an explanation or a lesson, be thankful yourself for the repetition. It will help you remember it, and remember that others have need of that repetition. 
Remember all the means that you have to review preaching beyond anyone else. I close with Jeremiah chapter 17. Please turn to Jeremiah chapter 17. You read Psalm 78 last evening. I mentioned Psalm 78 last Sunday. The first eight verses describe teaching the things of God to your children, to your children's children, to their children. Four generations. I'm speaking to parents now. Your children, your children's memories are based on your example and your instruction in that order. Some of your children's memories stink. Some of our children's memories stink. Jeremiah 17, verse 1. The sin of Judah is written with a pen of iron and with a point of a diamond. It is graven upon the table of their heart and upon the horns of your altars. That is how committed Judah was to their sins. Whilst their children remember their altars and their groves by the green trees upon the high hills. Look at the damage done to the memories to the remembrances, to the fond recollections of children because of their parents' emphasis on false religion, on carnality, on worldliness, on fighting in the home, on unhappiness, on bitterness, on laziness, on moodiness, on negativity. You ruin your children! And you fill their memories with garbage! Their children remember their altars and their groves by the green trees upon the high hills. Your children's memories can be filled. The Lord gives them to you with a blank slate. A depraved heart, but a blank slate. If you turn the television on, you're going to start to fill the slate. But if you keep it off, you can feed them the Word of God. And you can feed them your zeal for the Word of God. And you can feed them your love for your spouse. You can feed them your love for the house of God. Your love for singing praise. You can feed them joy and rejoicing about the things of the Lord Jesus Christ. You can feed them hatred for the things of this world. I mean the things that get right down close and personal, like the Terminator. You can feed them that and build their memories. How are you building their memories? How's Miriam doing these days? Chris, I know you love Psalm 78. I hope that uh, the memories she has are only good ones of you and your dear wife and of the Word of God and of assemblies and all the things that you want to teach. And I just use you as an example. Your zeal in the matter before you had children was very pleasing to me and I hope that it will only increase. Don't be discouraged. The task can get a little tiresome at times. Don't be discouraged. Keep up the good work. May all of us remember Jeremiah 17.2 and the damage we do to successive generations by our folly. Amen.